2: Welcome to So I Got To Thinking, the weekly Sex in the City podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you are listening to Juno Dawson and Dylan B. Jones and this week we are joined by a very special guest and she is a wonderful journalist, she's the author of the novels Scenes of a Graphic Nature and Promising Young Women and the forthcoming All Our Hidden Gifts. It's Carolina Donahue. What a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you so much for having me
2: on. No, thank you. Thank you very much as well. And you are a distinctive guest because you are our first guest where a publicist reached out to us. No! I would have thought you got that every fucking day, no? We have so we have people begging <laughs> to come on. <laughs> but what but what we don't have is like legit like publicists, like I know Caroline on social media. I know your publicist on but she she approached me in a very formal way. Hello, I represent Caroline O'Donohue. and I would oh, love wow. for her to appear on your best-selling podcast. And I was like <laughs> I was like Rosie, you could have literally DM'd. It was it would have been fine. Oh, I love that. I really feel like I've arrived now. Mm, you you are if you were not legit before, you're legit now. Yeah, that's it. Um, and also Caroline, you are a Sex and the City superfan. You have your own podcast, which is called Sentimental Garbage, but also you've just launched, or you're about to launch, mm-hmm. a brand new podcast with Dolly Alderton, which is exploring Sex and the City. Tell, can you tell us about that? Yes, and this is, you know, this is a world exclusive,
0: everyone, so uh, I'm glad that I have a drink, but... Um, But yes, no, so it's, it's, um, we're launching a mini series within Sentimental Garbage because me and Dolly have been friends a long time. We, I always wanted to be on the podcast because we talk about, um, sort of chick lit and trashy novels. And actually, Juno's going to come on the podcast and I have her choice right here.
2: For, for viewers, Caroline is holding up a copy of If Only by Jerry Halliwell, the novel which has most formed my self. It just
0: arrived today. I'm so fucking excited. Um, but um, so we decided the thing that we actually love talking about the most is Sex and the City. So we've decided we're going to talk about every season of Sex and the City. One episode, one season. Talk about every season for the great American novel it truly is. We're going to talk about the themes, <laughs> the the character journeys, the arcs. You know, like zooming out and examining each of these seasons for, you know, this great
2: pieces of work that they are. Because we're just we're just fans and we just want to fan out. Much like yourselves. Well, I mean, this, when Dylan and I started this, we were just kind of like, do you know what? If this was just us talking about Sex and the City for the next three or four years, great. Yeah. And if, any, if anybody else wants to listen, even better. So the, the fact that several thousand people are now listening every week is lovely. And I'm going to say I will certainly be listening to yours and Dolly's deep dive as well. So I'm very it's excited. Just...
0: I never get tired of people just blithering on about this show. It's so comforting. What is it about podcasts where it's just people who like each other talking about a show everyone likes, where it's just like, it's so... When you're in that kind of low quarantine space where you can't really take talking to people and you can't really take learning about something new, chatty podcasts is just the bam, I think. Yeah,
1: and especially a chatty podcast about sex in the city i think sex in the city we've had so many guests saying and i'm sure listeners are nodding along at the moment so many guests saying like it's their it's the comfort show isn't it
3: which is strange
1: in a way because it's it's not like it's not as immediately comfortable as a show like friends it's quite it's quite uncom like a lot of it is uncomfortable but i think it's just the fact that so many of us grew up grew up watching it um and watched it when we were teenagers and like um, watching
0: it at like sleepovers, and it yeah. kind of being the late night sort of like, you know, it's like the the Euro trash for girls who wanted to live in
2: Paris. <laughs> mm. Bef- in Paris before Emily in Paris. Before Emily in Paris. Before Emily in Paris, exactly. <laughs> which
1: has been which has been nominated for two Golden Globes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why? I don't know. Well, well, I may destroy you has zero nominations. Yeah. I'll just leave that with listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this this week we are discussing season three, episode 16, Frenemies. Mm. Um, Dylan, do you want to give us your potted synopsis?
1: Yes. So um, Samantha and Charlotte getting a bit of a tiff over Charlotte's perception of Samantha's sexuality and vice versa. Um, which I think turns out to be like a really lovely, interesting storyline, but we can get into that. And yeah, so Charlotte and Samantha are kind of intertwined and then Sh- and then Carrie and Miranda are, are intertwined when Miranda dates an ex of Carrie's and he turns out to be an asshole. An asshole. <laughs> um,
0: You're an asshole. <laughs>
1: um, and Carrie attempts to teach a learning annex for single women as well. Oh my god.
0: So that is the part of this episode that I, I would really not. like to start with.
1: Yeah, shall we just start? Shall we start right in?
2: I think so, we, we do we need to start with, with Carrie's <laughs> learning annex. Um because I'm as glad... soon as I sat down, I knew I thought Caroline is gonna have a lot to say on,
1: I'm really on I'm really glad I didn't pay three hundred dollars, let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> so okay do you know? I feel like you you relate, and I certainly relate to the learning annex section of this in a huge way. Because I don't know if everyone knows this, but when 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 you're a, a lady who writes on the internet, there's a certain kind of cottage industry that exists. Around lady advice giving to other ladies, um, sometimes it's you know a Grazia event. Actually, the first time me and Juno ever met was when I was miking her up for a pool event when I was <laughs> when I was um, working at the pool, and there is this funny little industry that exists and 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 three hundred dollars a class is the exact right amount of money it's too much to say no to it's not enough to be humiliated <laughs> and the thing is is that at these things and whether it's a panel or whether it's an advice thing or whether it's a you know basically this is kind of carrie bradshaw's masterclass. you're always by definition of having been asked to do this thing have to sound like you're an expert because that's the way they bill it and that's the way they sell it. And then you arrive and you say your little, basically you say tweets at people. Yeah. <laughs> and you you have your little like bon mots and you feel like you're Barbara Streisand. And then when anyone tries to get to the meat of any kind of conversation, everyone on the panel realizes there's no meat there and you're all just, and you have that moment where you're like, oh, we're just four ladies blithering on about nothing. <laughs>
2: And you do, you, I mean, I've been, I remember not notably travelling and, oh my gosh, it was become full circle because I was, I was on a panel with Dolly Alderton mm-hmm. and we travelled, we were sent and paid quite handsomely to travel to Latitude and wow. we had this, this quite literary event with Kate Moss and it was me, Dolly, and the very literary and very great author Natalie Haynes who writes kind of like retellings of Greek myth. And
1: I'm guessing and that's, it, I'm guessing that's Kate Moss with an E.
2: Kate Moss with an E, not a little right, Kate Moss. Right, I, or, yeah. or, so I had a different Kate vibe Moss. in my head. <laughs> so my, my Kate Moss will always be the author of Labyrinth, Kate Moss. And I think that there was the exact point on the panel where Dolly and I realised we just weren't on the same sort of literary plane as Natalie. And we were like, <laughs> oh, hi. Just, just smiling, smiling and raving on the most boiling hot day at Latitude Festival as well. It was so warm. And I was kind of like, I'm in a field in Norwich. Like what? What? yeah
0: you always have this moment that you don't have with other parts of your career where you're just like what am i
3: doing
1: so i so i've done it once and it was a pride right. it was a pride talk for um an oil company um, and, okay yeah and um it was this, the 20 true minutes meaning of pride yeah well yeah right um it was in that it was in those two years 2017 2018 Pride went absolutely insane, like there was a pride brunch like every hour on the hour for like two months, I swear um but yeah, it was a very similar situation to what you guys are saying like I had my I had my kind of notes planned and it was supposed to be twenty minutes, and I stood up and I like said my bits and like only five minutes had gone past and then I was like, shit
0: <laughs> yeah and it's that is captured so well in this episode where she so she Carrie comes in and she's like. There are approximately two million men in this in this city. And I've dated about a million of them. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. She cracks another joke. It lands kind of softer. And then <laughs> it kind of sputters out like, like a broken car. But and somebody... how, did,
2: how did Carrie think she was going to film 90 minutes with three lines? Over several weeks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then she's like complaining about it to Miranda. Like, they all hated me. Well, it's like, well, you didn't... Do and you didn't Do anything. prepare like you didn't even prepare. That's but the, the thing. weirdest
0: part is, is that she did prepare because in the opening scene, it's Miranda gets stood up. She called Carrie. She has a whinge. She um, oh, Carrie's yeah. like, oh, I would meet you for a drink. I would love to, but I'm working. And and like Carrie's whole setup in Act One, Scene One is she's working, working in in quotations <laughs> on this learning annex course. Oh yeah. But what is she working on? <laughs> like, is she at le- You think she at least has like, oh, the history of dating dates back to the Victorian age and blah blah blah. Yeah. Like you would think there would be some insight, but
2: it appears as though she really has nothing. The Merriam Webster Dictionary defines <laughs> dating
1: Merriam <laughs> Webster <laughs> just,
2: there, there, There's nothing there's nothing there, and I just live it when she's boom, bright lights, date city
1: And they're all like, what?
2: How many words?
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs>
0: So, okay, my favourite thing in the world is to, particularly for Texas City, to freeze frame whenever a piece of text appears on the screen and to see like what what I actually says. Um, And I took a picture of like the advertisement for Bright Light State City. And I'm convinced that Carrie wrote her own bio. (laughs) So.
1: Amazing. If
0: you're considering taking the plunge, let star columnist Carrie Bradshaw be your guide. No one knows more about sex in the city, so get your condoms, grab a notebook and a number two pencil. I think number wow. two pencil is such a Carrie-ism, isn't it? It
1: is. That, that kind of, de- that unnecessary detail. Yeah.
2: Oh, Carrie. I mean, how do we think that class should have gone? Like, if you were, if you were a customer, had you bought a ticket, what would you have expected from Carrie Bradshaw?
1: Well, I think I would have expect. I think I would have respected her the second time round, you know. When she's like, "Right, let's all go mm. to the bar." Mm. I would be like, "Okay, yeah. yeah, this, yeah, all right, cool, like this is nice."
0: An approach that would not have worked had all three hundred people shown up. Yeah, <laughs> but also, I think that's a really good question, you know, because I think what those women were expecting is basically like a Helen Gurley Brown sort of sex and a single girl version <clears throat> where it's like extremely didactic advice that nobody takes but everyone is comforted by where it's like, honey, you always got to wear black. You never got to do this. Don't take his call. Leave it two days before you call again. You know, that really like extremely formulaic mm-hmm. dating advice that exists that kind of 90s cosmic thing. The rules. The rules, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Rules. yeah. I like, wonder
2: as well if it was now. So in the year, in the year 2021, if what you would expect would be wellness. So you can't love someone until you know yourself. And I wonder if some of those women were expecting more of how to psychically and mentally ready yourself to be open and vulnerable to a potential partner.
0: But you know what, you know, that is such a good call because there is another season, I think it's season four, where Charlotte's just coming off the back of her divorce with Trey and she goes to exactly what you're describing and Carrie goes with her and it's all this lady being like, oh, did you write down your intentions, all this stuff? And Charlotte puts up her hand and she's like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And and, and the woman is like, oh, well, try harder. And Carrie grabs the mic. And it's the moment I love Carrie the most where she goes, she's trying believe yeah. me she, and she just really sticks up for Charlotte in this really
2: lovely way and like maybe I would love to know if they reused extras for that scene because those <laughs> women would go to that I mean they, they turn on her oh my god and they turn yeah. on her so fast it's like they're starving lionesses who yeah. have realised that Carrie is in fact a tiny warthog and they can eat her <laughs> well
1: it's when that woman stands up at the back and she's like then why are we paying to hear you talk about it and it's like
0: Ugh. But that that Ugh. woman delivers that line so, so well. Good, she's like, well yeah. Why are we be- Why are we begging to hear you talk about it? And also that like lovely like girl in her early twenties that shows that, that and then she's like, listen, she's older <laughs> <Yeah>. than us, <laughs> yeah.
2: which is worse. It's worse than the Have you ever been married, lady? Who is I mean, savage. But I think we've got six of one, half a dozen of another in that we have an incredibly demanding audience and a very unprepared speaker. <laughs> and not a, good, not 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 good. a good
1: combination. <laughs>
0: Oh, but you know what I love as well? One of my favourite repeated Sex and the City-isms, and it happens rarely enough for me to really love when it happens, is like we see Carrie in this sort of bubble all the time of being like this minor New York celebrity and she can kind of talk her way into and out of everything and people find her really charming and she sort of <clears throat> exists to a very um, elite subset of New Yorkers and they all love her and they all know her. But when she breaks out of that and she has to sort of pretend to be a celebrity... And it it sort of all kind of blows up a bit. And people are like, well, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Like when she goes to LA and she's opening for a dog.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, yes. The book tour.
2: Mr. Winkle, I believe.
0: Yes, Mr. Winkle. That's a cute top. (laughs) (laughs) When is Mr. Winkle coming out?
2: (laughs) In just a very few moments. (laughs) Um, In just a very few moments. (laughs) the, The nearest I've been was when I... Agreed to do a Guardian Masterclass, and oh, wow. I had done them. I had done them before, so the Guardian makes quite a lot of money. I don't know if it's well, obviously not in the time of COVID, but pre-COVID they were raking it in. Sort of offering up sort of mid-level authors to to do sort of writing workshops <clears throat> for people who want to be authors, um, and I'd done guest slots as part of Laura Dockrulls, the very great author, Laura Dockrull, and I would go in for literally an hour and just talk about YA fiction, and then I would chip off, and then they said, we want you to do a full weekend YA workshop. Now, it turns out a three-day, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday residency at The Guardian, it's quite a lot of material. Yeah. And it turns out, like, after I did, boom, Bright Lights, Date, City... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now let's all read twilight it didn't go down very well i must yeah. but but i will say this and when it, so basically I'd, I'd sort of printed out probably illegal but i'd printed out sort of excerpts of chapter ones which i thought were really gripping and would you know get the attention of any any literary agent in the business and there was there was a writer in the group and she was just like well i just think these are all terrible and i was oh, like rude Bright lights date city. Um, from Bright now Light on Bright Light State City. From
1: now on, whenever I'm stuck for something to say, I'm just gonna say
2: Bright Light State City <laughs> <laughs> Or just take people for a cocktail, in which case nobody is gonna care That works they'll too. Be drunk. Yeah. That, in fact <laughs> I actually so... have done that. <laughs> Although I will say in my defense that in that cohort cuz they only ran it once cuz it didn't do particularly well. One of the cohort was Sophie Cameron who got who got like a two book deal at Macmillan Children's Books. So come through Sophie. So there you go. So yeah, it could have it could have been worse.
0: What I'm interested in is this sort of this 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 thing that Carrie is doing and this thing that you, I mean obviously the you teaching people how to write way of fiction is is legitimate because that's an actual thing that you are skilled in and are an expert in and therefore can speak confidently of whether or not it's hard to stretch your material or whatever. But like these things, this is like the very nebulous sort of like how to be a good lady sort of <laughs> talks. Why is there such a booming industry for them and not for men? Like I don't, I've never heard of a man going to a class in the evening or a... Uh, uh, Jordan evening. Peterson. Ro- that's the mm. equivalent. Okay. Oh
1: God, that's so depressing. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like these talks are a bit like, well, I guess there's TED Talks and stuff now, but like the concept of like a learning annex in that sense is perhaps quite 90s. I feel like that's like even pre-COVID.
0: The idea of like a night
2: class. Yeah, like it's not as, it's not as
1: much of a thing anymore, I don't think, is it? Perhaps.
2: I think the the talk is a booming and you can, you know, if you are at that, I mean, let's say so again Jordan Peterson he's probably charging 45 50 pounds a ticket mm. and you know similarly if you, if you want to go along and hear Catelyn Moran speak normally it's it's you know 20 quid but you'll get a copy of the book kind of mm-hmm. and that's kind of that's kind of how it works so there's definitely an industry for it often it is tied to a non-fiction book or some sort of again wellness is is a massive massive multi-million dollar industry and I think Caroline's right I think that sort of the wellness-y side of things is marketed more towards women than it is towards men.
0: And and weirdly, like, so men have, like, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris and Joe Rogan. And they're, like, the Elvis Presleys of that sort of Maybe, circuit. like,
1: Russell Brand as well.
0: But are there, like... And maybe I just don't know enough about, like, male media in general. Are there, like, micro versions of that, like... Who's the Who's the male me? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like someone who's sort of like in the middle tier. <laughs> is, I wonder, does that exist, or is it only these like huge stadium filling? I don't guys know. Maybe like, like a
1: Maybe like a Joe Wicks.
0: Oh, he's huge! He's huge! Yeah. He's the most famous person in the country. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've um, just, I mean, can you tell I've just been like completely checking out of the news and yeah, media yeah. lately? Yeah, <laughs> like, fair, fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I'm trying to think, there, there must be some sort of middly ones. I'll tell you just quite well is lovely Aaron, who is at Technically Ron on Twitter. He's kind of become one of those, sort of, he, he does a lot of speaking around the fact he has acute anxiety. Johnny Benjamin does a lot of stuff around mental illness. So actually mental illness in men has become a bit of a cottage industry because... I think sometimes that the whole sort of like men need to talk and men need to open up. That's kind of it's like a subsection of talks around mental illness, which I think do happen quite quite a bit. Um, Well, that's something. Yeah, Mm. that's that's a good thing. And certainly there's plenty of podcasts out there about men's mental health and men needing to speak out. And Prince William's done a whole bunch of stuff around male mental health as well. Um, he's quite famous because he's going to be the next king or something. Would
0: we call Prince William
2: famous? <laughs> <laughs> Slight, slightly famous. Sealers. Um, Sealers. Um, and I think, yeah, there's, I think it's it's a whole thing. Certainly, with them, um, often they're sort of attached to some sort of a festival of some sort where you have kind of like Fern Cotton, who I know and love. Fern has done a whole thing called the Happy Place Festival, oh. which is just so it's like a music festival without music and actually russell brand did headline one, one year at the happy place but that's it again it's all those kinds of people delivering talks like porna bell gordon all those kind of people sort of delivering talks about addiction wellness fitness diet um veganism yoga kind of all those kind of things um and carrie bradshaw would 100 percent be a part of that but it's a shame that her talk is quite shit <laughs> right lights, state city. Um, what did you
0: guys think of the other dynamics going on in this episode?
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say, should we? Who should we move to? Should we move to um, Miranda next?
2: Well, Miranda so let, let's take a tiny break, yeah, and then we'll be back to talk about Miranda and Charlotte. And See you in a sec.
3: Ready to pop the question?
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, and welcome back to So I Got To Thinking. This week, we are joined by the author and journalist, Carolina Donohue, and we are talking about episode 16 of series three, Frenemies. So let's get to the actual Frenemies of the episode, shall we?
0: On the wide, like, there are some Sex and City episodes where it, like, it takes the theme, like, whether it's, like, a certain kink or a certain relationship behaviour or whatever, and it's really good at sort of assigning every single side of that theme, every, like, side of the prism to each character and to each dynamic. This is not one of those episodes. Oh, like, yeah, there is was... no reason this should be called Frenemies, this episode.
1: This was all over the shop, yeah. And as yeah. we was, and the um the question, are we getting wiser or just older... Doesn't really Has nothing
2: to do with anything,
1: and yes. is also very similar to the last week to last week's question: Are we thirteen going on thirty? It's the same question. Mm. Well, was that yeah. last? Was that last week? Yeah, that was, was literally last... last week. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let,
2: let's just ignore the question. We'll we'll answer the question at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> to my mind, the most interesting part of this episode was the exploration of the Madonna Whore complex. Yeah, loved it. Mm. I would have rather the whole episode would have been around. Yeah. This, this notion that women in the world can broadly be divided into Samantha's or Charlotte's and never the twain shall meet. And it was, all, they were, as, as Carrie says to Miranda, it was always heading for a showdown. Mm. You know, we, we've already had Charlotte storming out of a restaurant following Funky Spunk, this series, <laughs> and this time she's never coming back. Um, so, yeah, is it, was it inevitable that Samantha and Charlotte were going to fall out?
0: It's so funny cause I, I do feel like that there are several like fallouts that happen between the girls among the series and Charlotte is often the common denominator because of because like she even though she is so soft and so femme she's also very rigid and very conservative which is what brings her sort of approach to the show or whatever but this thing of like the fa- it's so funny isn't it that just to have that, that that cut of just Samantha and Carrie, uh, Miranda and Carrie going down the street afterwards being like, oh, well, we always knew it was going to happen. And it's those interesting friend groups that sort of develop without anyone noticing. And it's like, well, why would those two be friends anyway? You know, they really don't share much in common. They sort of discussed one another most of the time. And their fallout in this comes down to, I think it's actually very real, where it's Charlotte's having this impotence problem with Trey. Like she had married him for how many months and she they still haven't really had sex. And then Samantha is just sort of blowing her mouth off about like, oh, yeah, I almost broke the bed. I was getting fucked so hard, whatever. And it, it rankles Charlotte because she here she is. And this is a common theme with her of like, She's trying so, so hard to do something that other people find so easy. And it's the same with Miranda when she gets pregnant, right? Mm. It's like, I I deserve this more than you do and you get it for free, you know? Yeah, that's and true. I think that's so compelling.
1: That's true. I think I think you're, I agree. And it was something else, that there's a couple of things that um, you've said that have made me think, which is firstly when... Um, Miranda and Carrier, like we always knew this was going to happen. That's so true. There are just in groups of friends. There are just two friends that are at Loggerhead sometimes, and you always know like it could blow up at any minute. So I thought that was a really good, like, really accurate thing. Um, and then also I loved how it kind of took because I hadn't seen this episode in a while. I like how it really cleverly took me as a viewer on a journey with Charlotte, because at first with that scene, when she was really judging Samantha, I really hated her. And then the storyline made me think, made me understand why she was having these thoughts and why she said these things to Samantha. And then and by the end, I was like, Oh my God, I love Charlotte. When she like got yeah. back, when she like discovered, kind of got in touch with her sexuality and then kind of realized what was happening. Um, yeah. I thought it was great. Well done. Jenny Bix, who I usually don't like. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I think the scene, the scene with, Charlotte talking to Trey where she's in the beautiful lingerie. Oh. Was, was a was a big scene. And I think Kristen Davis talked about it a lot and how she was very nervous about it. And it was one of the very few times that we see Charlotte's nipples. Free the nipple, Charlotte. Um and apparently she was terrified. Um it wasn't a body double. They used they used her body. Um Wow. And um it was I think a really important scene where we don't see Charlotte like that very often where she does fully own her sexuality and she tells Trey now in certain terms that I am your wife, but I am a woman and I am sexual. And, um, you know, Trey's impotence problem has been all about Trey. It's all about Schooner mm. and never about Rebecca. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, you know, that scene at the beginning where Trey lo- loses the wind in the sails. You know, he doesn't set about pleasuring Charlotte in any other way. Yeah. He, does, he doesn't... He doesn't pleasure her orally or with his fingers. You know, he really does just sort of flop down and go to sleep. Mm. Um, and and it's, then it's frustrating to see her taking out that frustration on, on Samantha. And this, I thought the scene in the coffee shop was really good. Yeah. But then I love, I love, love, love when it all comes back later when, it's, when we're with Kappa Kappa Gamma. Um, she's like, yes, what am I like? What was her name? It wasn't Courtney. There was Courtney. Oh, it, was so, it was something friends. like it was
1: something like Cynthia, but I loved it like I hate I both hated and loved them. They were just mm. so like they were kind of iconic, but they were also just horrible. So
0: iconic. We were eating when
2: when Charlotte. like oh, we almost broke the bed. <laughs> oh, Sydney. It <laughs> oh,
1: was just all girls. <laughs> Sydney. <laughs> yeah.
2: That was it. It was
1: Sydney. Sydney. Oh, Sydney.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, I haven't that, that thing you just said about um Kristen Davis being very nervous about that scene. I didn't know that, but it it makes so much sense to me, and it makes me also so sad that we haven't seen Kristen Davis like with a major role outside of this, really, because it really makes you think oh, she's such a fantastic actress, and like the vulnerability that's just coming off of her in waves in that scene is like, I find it really moving to watch, actually. I find, like, I get very upset when I see it, where she's, the way she delivers it, like, I'm, I'm your wife and I'm sexual. Mm. And 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 I think as well, it, like, to, to borrow a phrase I've heard you guys say a few times, the womb in the room.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I do think this, this this very, like, cis lady thing of, like, um and you hear it happening to other women where it's like, Everyone has that friend who has that story about like she went to La Perla and she spent like half her month's rent on some amazing getup. There's one story in particular that somebody told me that haunts my days, where she she um she had this incredible lingerie set or whatever, and her relationship was in trouble and she sort of descended down the stairs in this you know, this is a beautiful girl as well. Um in this sort of haze of silken glory <laughs> and her boyfriend was at the foot of the stairs and he looked up at her and he went oh wowzer!" and then he paused and said I've just made a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he went and he ate his sandwich and she sat on the couch in her lingerie and waited for him to finish his tuna toasty
1: oh my god oh no what uh, is wrong with straight man? it's awful. <laughs> like
0: that is like what stops so many so many women i think from trying for from asking for the sex they want or trying the thing they want to try or just like going a little bit out there or wearing something that's a little bit like trampy or whatever and like that is that is the reaction that they fear and i do think you see that courage coming off of charlotte when she she comes out and trey basically makes her feel ridiculous but she carries on and there's like I'm like, give up, give that woman a purple medal. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I thought it was just so well. I thought it was like really well scripted, and like it didn't because a lot of these type of scenes in Sex in the City they present in like a kind of amusing way, but this was like yeah. suddenly where it was like suddenly we're being serious, and it really worked.
2: Yeah, I think because I think often, often Charlotte is relegated to the comic relief in that yeah. she gets she gets like the comedy hilarious kind of, you know. I bet you have a lovely cunt dear storyline or whatever. <laughs> and, and so yeah, for her to actually flip it and go from the scene where she's been with the sorority sisters to being kind of like, I'm neither Madonna or whore. I'm a woman and I am both your wife, but I am also a sexual being. I thought was great. And I think it kind of tackles head on that one of the criticisms of Sex and the City, which is they're all very, the sexy one, the mm. prudish yeah. one, mm. the sarcastic one, the romantic one. And actually, they are all, all of them, which brings us nicely to Claire-Anne.
1: Claire-Anne.
2: Claire-Anne. The woman that I fear that I am. (laughs) No. Oh, the woman we all hope we are. (laughs) Claire-Anne. Claire-Anne is that friend you make. This happened a lot when I was in London. And you would be at something and you met someone and you'd be like, oh my God, I think I found a soulmate. And then about half an hour later, you're like... (gasps) Oh,
1: no, they're mental. You're mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like,
0: yeah. That, it's like all that intense sparkle that was coming from our conversation is actually just a mental intensity you have with everything you meet.
1: Oh, no, you've just thrown a bottle of champagne off the balcony. Okay, all right. <laughs> Very oh,
2: that? They're, they're ringing you at 4am. Like, I've been arrested. And you're like, oh, my
1: God. So, so with the exception oh. of you, Juno... That is all of my friends. (laughs) Um, My friends. I
2: I didn't like to say, but yes.
1: (laughs) No, I wouldn't have it any other way. But um, oh god, yeah, she's just she's amazing. Um, Yes, Spunky. I like spunky women.
2: We're a dying breed. <laughs> that whole
0: character is lifted from like a Tennessee Williams play or something. She's like, I'm a faded Southern
1: belle, but <laughs> yeah. I can
0: I know what I like. It, her, acting,
1: her acting, kind of reminded me of when they have like acting challenges on RuPaul's Drag Race. Like that's
2: <laughs> oh my, that's God, what it's so like. So accurate. <laughs> she was she was played by an actress called Jane Summer I've just looked her up. Who's no, won no. a Tony? I looked her up too. <laughs>
1: what?
0: She's the wow. least least convincing person to <laughs> ever win a Tony. I'm sorry, that performance isn't good. It's iconic, but it's not yeah. good. It's such
2: mini challenge acting.
1: Mini challenge. Yeah. She
2: hasn't she hasn't worked since 2005, which makes me quite <laughs> sad because I thought she was brilliant. But don't let like the southern accent fool you. Yeah. And that look, and that like, what? you would only. Why?
1: You would only get this in a show like In Sex in the City, in literally no other show, would you get like her kind of muffled voice saying, I'll come with you from under the table? <laughs> literally oh <my> like
2: <laughs> I'm gonna eat you up
1: Just ridiculous. I mean, I guess like I guess they, they kind of thought like, right, what can we have that would make even Samantha be shocked? Yes. And it had to yeah. be Claire Anne, didn't it? Like, that's the only thing.
2: Also, it took me, so let's say that in the history of my life, I've maybe seen this episode, let's say nine times. It was on the ninth viewing today that I didn't watch Samantha and I watched the man getting the blur job. He is what we we would call in the television industry, he's a non-speaking extra, so he's a non-speaking spotting actor. So that man probably wasn't paid very much, but did have to act out the non-verbal because if you if you speak, they have to pay you more. Oh! So he had to express delight non-verbally. And it was quite a treat. <laughs> and I would advise listeners to go back and watch it from his perspective again.
1: Delight, both delight and fear. <laughs> Which is, I mean,
2: how do you do that? I... Also, I feel like
0: this is, this episode is birthed to a, you know how like when you're just on your own, and you're just trilling away, talking to yourself, and you have these little catchphrases that you just say to yourself. My one is, and you can forget samba. Oh my
1: god, same. <laughs> so that's what so that's what me and my friends say to each other if we like can't make it to an event or can't make it to something can't make it to anything. And you can forget
0: <laughs> It's so funny. She says it like five times yes. with increasing ferocity. Yeah. You can forget Samba! <laughs>
1: Amazing! I'm so glad. Oh, one Tim of, Cattrall. you. One we of the most, you. one of the best things about this podcast is finding out that our guests are just as weird as we are with Sex and <laughs> the City catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> um, are we ready for Miranda? Miranda and um.
0: Miranda and Carrie's deal, yes, with the guy who's an asshole. Okay, so the guy dies. Mm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've often wondered: have you, have either of you ever been stood up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I because again because of this episode, um, so I have been again trans Bing bong bing. Um, I <laughs> only got stood up post transition. I never got stood up oh. pre transition, um, that I'm aware of. I got kind of like the the last the eleventh hour cancellation, which is as good as being stood mm. up. The kind of like I found this particularly when I lived in London, which is hey, are we still on for tonight. Oh, I need to do me. So there was a lot of that. But twice in my life post-transition, I was actually at the venue. Mm-mm. Being like, so I'm here. You said you were on your way. Uh...
1: That is the worst. And oh, I, never, I never understood it. Um, I think it, maybe if we're getting into the psychology of it, it's like a, maybe like a power thing. Or if we're massively giving people the benefit of the doubt, maybe they had anxiety and they didn't want to tell you. Um, oh,
0: we can blame anxiety on a lot of things.
1: That's true. <laughs> doesn't
0: mean that we can't all be adults. That's um, <laughs> true. Yeah. But um, this, may, this may shock you. And feel free to end the Zoom call <laughs> if, uh, if it's offensive. But um, my current partner of seven years once stood me up.
1: <gasps> was this yeah. early? Was this early on?
0: This is very, very early on. So um, we, we were friends for a long time. And then we, uh, I, I was in a relationship. And then I, I ended my relationship. And I sort of made it quite, um, quite clear that I had ended my relationship for my friend, who is currently my partner of seven years. And, um, you know, I think I, in retrospect, I was coming on a bit strong and being a bit mad. And um, so, so I, I broke up with my then-boyfriend. I I had to move out of our flat and, um, I was sort of, I, I worked with my, um, current partner and, uh, I was coming into work and I was like, yeah, I'm moving out of my house this weekend. And he was like, right, that's a lot. I was like, yep. And he was like, do you want me to help you? And I was like, yes, I do want you to help me. And, um, then he just sort of got a bit freaked out and just didn't come. Was he dead? like dead. I had to do a whole séance thing. He's now the undead, and uh, we're getting on surprisingly well, Amazing. considering. But yeah, no, but like it, it was—it was horrible. And to be honest, it's something we still like occasionally when we're feeling bored and we've run out of things to fight about. We'll just be like fight about that. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was—it was like a thing of like he just kind of freaked out, and I was kind of coming on a little too intensely, too quickly, and him helping me move out of my boyfriend's flat after I explicitly said I'm leaving my boyfriend for you. Wow. Was
2: a lot, but I think I won in the end, so it's fine. How how did he come back from that? Because that's a difficult thing to come back from.
0: I think uh, to put it frankly, I was just stigmatized.
2: you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just kept showing up at that house for more. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs>
1: Boom! Bright lights, state
0: city. <laughs> oh my god! Bright lights, state city.
1: <laughs> can we can we talk about Carrie's um, oversized butterfly ne- butterfly necklace? Oh, it's
2: oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. It's one yeah. of one of my least favorite Carrie yeah. things.
1: I did love, and I'm guess I think that me and you, Juno, always agree on styling. So I'm sure you'll oh. have noticed this too. Carrie's blue dress
2: beautiful the wrap yeah. dress was
0: stunning yes gorgeous yes mm. and a lovely navy jumpsuit i think mm. at the end as yeah. well, which mm. i enjoyed that was nice um it's, it's a real tragedy for necklaces all around this episode <laughs>
2: because uh miranda's floating necklaces is a real mm. theme of season three her, and it, her orange dress at the beginning was not good as well that that dress might have killed him the, that the orange
1: what it, dress
0: With like the grey T-shirt over it it's Like is that part Of the dress
1: <laughs> That's what it was <laughs>
0: And the horrible The kind of like Amber beads With the translucent um, Yeah Just kind of sitting on
2: her Oh horrible um,
1: I fancied I fancied Jim
2: <gasps> He had bad vibes Dylan mm, yeah. well, <laughs> Bad vibes
1: Well I like a man with, I like a bad vibe. He had a
0: real, like, guy who follows you home after speed dating. Oh, God.
1: Uh, <laughs> so true. That's
2: so specific. But I, yes, yes.
1: Also, like, very sort of, like, Canary Wharf asshole as well.
2: 100%. Very dumb. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, like, I'm so interested in whatever relationship him and Carrie had eight years ago when he was in a band and had hair he could sit
2: on. And, uh... <laughs> I reckon it was around the same time she stopped eating food so she could read Vogue. (laughs) Yes, I agree. She was starving and didn't mind his hair.
0: Just felt like it fed me more.
2: Um, But where do you guys stand on the whole, um, you know, what
0: is the sort of statute of limitations on going out with someone your friend later goes out with?
1: I don't care. Oh, I don't care, but then I'm a gay man so <laughs> there yeah, is that that's the thing
0: when, um, when you come from like, a, like a, a specific dating pool I think everyone kind of accepts that you're like well yeah. it's a f- I mean not London really but like in other places it's like
2: oh it's a small enough dating community people are going to fuck yeah. you and, well I mean to again to Parker's back in trans corner <clears throat> there there are there is a hardcore of guys in and around London who serially date trans women And I'm not going to name names, but one of my friend's boyfriends, they broke up and within about 48 hours, he found my number on WhatsApp and was like, hey, so are you single right now? And I was like, you broke up with my friend two days ago. Wow. <laughs> and he he didn't know that we knew each other. So, but he's um,
0: an asshole.
2: He's an
1: asshole. Because you're an asshole.
0: Um, Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> what I uh, love about that scene where she goes for the she's Miranda's like very like, "Oh, you know, I feel really weird that I'm dating someone that you don't like." And Carrie's like, "Well, like, oh yeah, not pressed." Um and then they all go for a drink <clears> and <throat> Carrie Carrie's behavior in that scene is why, like, we should only have women in the U.N. She's so diplomatic. <laughs> she's they're, they're like, he keeps being really barbed towards her. And there's this great little micro moment where he orders Miranda a drink, but he doesn't order Carrie a and drink like, and her glass is empty. And she's like, uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, I uh, lost touch with you, but I always kept up with your columns. A lot of sex in there. And she's like, it makes its way in. He's like, yeah, you always loved shoes. And she's like, yes. I did like my shoes. And yeah. he <laughs> just, like, so
2: refuses to be yeah peaked by it. <clears throat> so he's, like, the male Claire Anne because then all of a sudden, on a dime, he's, like, they come in handy when you're walking all over men. And you're, like, fucking Whoa. hell. Like, Jesus Christ.
1: I thought that was another really well-done scene as well, though, because the, the final shot of him at the table, and they put down, like, and the waitress, like, puts down the drink. And he's just sort of sitting there angry and you're like, oh, well, he's obviously the loser here. Like he's the sad person here, um, yeah. which I, I thought that was great.
0: And also the extras okay. in that scene are really, the extras in this
2: episode in general are really giving you overtime. They're all like, oh. <laughs> like proper shocked expressions. <laughs> the the, co- the cocktail waitress watching Claire Ann go down on the man is worth a look <laughs> as well.
1: Oh yeah, like when Charlotte d- just disbelief, and of. when Charlotte is like, "I just want to be fucked. <laughs> that was amazing, just... <laughs> so amazing, and then dropping a note in the martini glass as she leaves.
2: That's so classic, iconic. <laughs> oh, I miss that. That is so good. <laughs> she should have added a cup of cappuccino. A
0: cup of cappuccino. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I, you know, generally I'm a big fan of Carrie in this episode, but do you know what? I did not appreciate. Was Carrie being a massive fucking prude at the lingerie shop?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <clears throat> not cool.
1: Yeah. Like, when she pissed. said something, she said something like, oh, I don't need to, you need to show Trey your sexuality, but not me. Or it was something like that, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, but I don't need to yeah. see it. Yeah. I was
1: like, yes, you can see your friend's sexuality and you can help her Isn't with is Isn't this as well. a job
2: for Samantha, the PR executive, not your sex columnist friend, <laughs> me? <laughs>
0: yeah, this is the woman who gets her friends to, like, take her diaphragm out of her. She can't look at some knickers with her
2: pal. Like, get a oh my life. God. I love shopping with my friends because it's like spending money, but it's not your money. It's really good. You should always go, and especially even better, is flat hunting with your friends. That's really good fun.
0: Ooh, I've mm. never done that. But but also, like surely lingerie shopping with your friends is the absolute top tier of shopping with your friends. I would, just, like cheering them on, you know. I
1: would raise that and say shopping with drag queens is possibly the top tier. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because
0: you're you're both like creating a fantasy together, mm, you
1: know. Yeah, in the Top Man in the jewelry section of not Top Man Top Shop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if there's like a cut scene where we actually see where Charlotte got that ninety from, because kind of materialises um, right
0: like I, I have questions about that nighty. like I feel like
2: I quite liked she it could have, she could have pushed it
0: you know she could mm. have pushed the envelope more I like
2: it but. it's see so it's conservative but see through mm. and I quite like that That Charlotte's nod to sexy which is is actually it's like quite covered but yeah you can see you, you, can, see, you can see nips which is exciting um so, I suppose it is the mandate of the podcast that we do have to tackle Carrie's question as bizarrely unrelated to events. So, her question was Are we getting wiser or just older? I don't even understand where we're supposed to approach that question, but it's like...
1: In the context yeah? of the episode, yeah. Well, um, I don't know, like, in my own context, I'm definitely, definitely so much wiser than I was even three years ago. I was, I'm 29 now, and in my early 20s, my early 20s is just incomparable to how I am now. So yeah, I am getting wiser, and honor. I do
0: think, <laughs> I think a lot, I don't know if this is true for you guys as well, but I feel like... When I was younger, my advice and my, you know, interpretations of the world were very individualistic or something. And I took everything on a case-by-case basis and I was confused by everything. But now I'm just like, well, listen, honey, men are just like this. (laughs) (laughs) men can't have nice things I'm I'm so much more didactic than I used to be and I don't really have much time for fussing around in like oh but you know he's just got this problem because his parents divorced when he was really young I'm like doesn't matter (laughs) he's just not that into you (laughs) yeah I feel like I'm more that's where my wisdom lies right now I'm in that quotient I think
2: because I think maybe it's not so much that you're wiser about the world but you're certainly wiser about yourself and yeah. as, I, as I moved through my 30s, and this applies to all areas of my life, my love life, my professional life, I know where my limits are. And I'm much, much readier in saying, that's not going to work for me. Like, like w- would you do like a 15-stop tour of Australia? No, because I would be a nervous wreck. I can't handle that much travel. I would get homesick. I would hate being away from home. It's not going to work for me. You know, do you want to go out with this guy who's in a band? Absolutely fucking lutely not. No, no. I know myself well enough to know that that would be a nightmare for me. So you certainly know yourself better, I think. That is a good point. And Carrie should have known
0: herself well enough to know that she would fucking suck at a learning annex course. <laughs>
1: And that she shouldn't wear that butterfly necklace. So ugly. I
2: think it comes back. I think it makes a reappearance as well. I think she wears it several times. And I think it was quite an expensive piece. The worst necklace that we will get to later is when Samantha is wearing a necklace that has an enormous jade egg suspended (laughs) by pearls. I think it's in like season five or six. So we'll... Keep it, keep your eye peeled for the enormous Jade Egg. Oh, I look forward to
0: her. <laughs> look forward to meeting her.
2: <laughs> and so Caroline, before you go, will you please tell us about your upcoming novel, All Our Hidden Gifts, which is both Caroline and I find ourselves at that moment in a woman's career where you go witchy. Um, so both Caroline and I are going witchy with our novels in the next. Very year,
0: true. So. Yes, I hadn't put that together yet, but you're you're dead right. Yes, yeah, so all our hidden gifts is my um my YA debut. I have uh, two adult novels out already. It is about a girl called Maeve growing up in a very similar part of Ireland that I did, uh, who finds a haunted pack of tarot cards one day and, accidentally, kind of on purpose, she ends up disappearing her ex-best friend. And then it's the whole, the whole novel is sort of a a missing girl narrative, but with a a huge lot of sort of queer themes and sort of a lot of the themes about Ireland and the sort of Christian Catholic fundamentalism that is slowly crawling its way back into it. There's a lot of themes going on, but
2: everyone kisses and has fun. (laughs) Now, Dylan, would you describe yourself as a bit witchy?
1: Oh, yeah, very witchy. And we've discussed, we've discussed Carrie's potential witchiness as well. She's got a Ouija board. Harry, <laughs> a Ouija board, yeah. Yes, yeah.
2: When does that happen? <clears throat> it was on the foot of her bed with Aiden. When, yeah. At that point, where like they're eating chicken in bed, there is a Ouija board at the foot of the bed. That's kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. Kind of hot to do in bed, right? Like, I feel. They've just kinda... finished.
1: They've just finished the Ouija board. <laughs>
2: It's like there's, you know, there's like dice that you can get from like a sex shop which tells you what position to do. Oh my god. I, l- I like the <laughs> idea that Aiden, Aiden and Carrie were like, oh, ah, uh, ah, hey. uh, uh, where's it go? <laughs> Amazing. Oh my
0: god, those, those sexy dice, my god, they're the most <laughs> straight person thing in the world.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, my my, my fiancé has got me watching Bob's Burgers at the moment, which I resisted because I'm not a big fan of animation. And I know it's, people are just cancelling me as I speak. But <laughs> I'm so into it. I love it so much. And Bob and Linda have sex dice. And it always seems to be sit on each other's knees, which I really love. Oh, I love that. It's so good. Caroline, thank you yes. very, very much for coming on So I Got To Thinking. And um, whereabouts can our listeners find you on your social media? Um, on Twitter, I'm at ZaraLine. So that's Caroline with a Z, like Russia.
0: And uh, on Instagram, Line was somehow taken. So it's Zara Online.
2: There you go. And when All right. is All Our Hidden Gifts coming out?
0: Um, it's coming out in the
2: UK in mid-May. There we go. So make sure you pre-order right now. Um, next week, we will be watching... Season 3, episode 17, What Goes Around, with special guest author Tanya Byrne. Until then, you can find us at SIGTT Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And until then, stay safe.
1: Bye. Bye.